None of us like to be told what to do. I know I don't. I think it happens when we're kids that we don't like being told what to do because we're always told what to do. In fact, my brother had this phrase he used all the time. He'd say, you're not the boss of me. He'd say it kind of angry and like he was in charge. He was like four or five years old at the time. I think he used it with every other adult or every other person in his life except for my parents. I think he tried it with them and it didn't go well. In fact, I was thinking just to how a few weeks ago, I was talking with a, a young man who, who was starting this new job and he was really been struggling financially and was really excited for this new job and this new opportunity. And he was going to work and so I ran into him a couple weeks later and I said, hey, how's the job going? Well, he looked at me and says, well, you know, um, it, it's not really going right now. And I said, well, what happened? He says, well, my boss tried to tell me what to do. And I, I didn't say anything because in my head I'm like, well, that's kind of what bosses do. They do tell us what to do. He is the boss of you. And he went on to tell me how he didn't do it. And he said, but I, but I, you know, I, I really need a job. And, I, and so I looked at him and I said, well, you, you probably have to listen to what your boss says. Well, I just think it was right. Was it like unethical, immoral? No, I just didn't want to do it. Okay, let me know how that goes. Or maybe this has been another scenario that you have found yourself in. I can't tell you the number of people I've had conversation with. And they'll kind of spill all this stuff and they'll go, well, I'm just so over it. You are? You're so over it? If you're so over it, why are we talking about it? Because if I'm over it, I can actually move on. And so what do we do with these things? Because these are realities for all of us. We've all had that person tell us what to do, and we didn't want to listen to them. We've all had someone hurt us in some kind of relationship, and we've wanted to be so over it, but we're not really so over it. What's the secret to that? I mean, we live in a culture where we all have an opinion. Get on social media for five minutes, and you know that's true. We all have an opinion. We all have a right, because everyone talks about our rights. But what do we do if we want to follow Jesus? This is where it gets a little more difficult. Because see, what if, what if the truth is we find the best way to live is willfully laying down our will? It's laying down our rights. I know no one wants to hear that today. But that's what submission is. And submission is a Christian practice. I know some of you are wanting to turn this off right now and quit listening. Please lean in a little bit longer. Because here's the reality. I want to say first what submission isn't. Submission is not allowing yourself to be abused or beaten. That's not what submission is. In fact, that's the opposite because this is the one practice that probably has been abused in the history of the church or really in the history of the world more than any other practice. But submitting to others is a way of finding actual liberation and freedom. And so I want to say what submission isn't. Submission stops. We, don't know, we no longer submit because the point where destruction begins is the point where submission ends. So if it leads to destruction, it's not about submission. Now, there may be times where we willfully choose. We may willfully choose to submit to something that has consequences that are grave. In fact, we see all many of the apostles, they did this, but, but other times we find that this is not the reality for us. Because if it violates the law of love, which is the words of Jesus and his teaching, then it's not something we're supposed to follow out. Well, how do we know sometimes if I should submit and the consequences may be kind of grave in my life? They may be really difficult. Or how do I know if, if it's not the right time to submit? And that's where I'd say we lean in and trust the Spirit's guidance. And we find a good spiritual mentor, someone who's further along in the journey than we are, and we talk to him about it. But submission never leads us to the place of destruction, at least in that way, because that's not who Jesus is. But how do we define submission then? What does it look like? And so I love these words of Dallas Willard. Dallas says it this way, submission is abandoning outcomes to God. Did you catch that? Submission is abandoning outcomes to God. 
It is trusting the outcome to God and living in the moment the way we're called to live. It is submitting to others and trusting him to be the judge of the rest of the world. It's not us having to do it. We don't have to worry about our rights. We don't have to carry that burden any longer. We can actually learn to let go. If we embrace this in its fullest way, which we'll talk about as we look at the words of Jesus in just a moment, we'll actually be able to say, when we say, I'm so over it, we'll be so over it, we don't even have to talk about it because we really are over it. This is where submission leads us. But it comes with difficulty because it requires laying down our rights. And that's why I love these words. Well, love might be a strong word. That's why these words of Jesus become for us life-giving, even though I probably don't love them when I look at them. And here's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Did you catch those words? I honestly don't know that I like them. Who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. I don't want to deny myself anything. None of us like to deny myself anything, right? We don't like to do that. Take up your cross. Like, I don't know, I've seen pictures, you know, of what Jesus might have looked like on the cross or others that were tortured by the Roman Empire. And that doesn't really look all that appealing to me. And you're telling me I have to willfully choose to take up my cross, to lay down my rights? And if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for Jesus and for, the, for his good news, his message that God's kingdom has come, you'll save it. I don't know about you, but these words are difficult for me. And then I think about rights and what are my rights, right? And then I look at Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, God in flesh. All the power in everything created all things. He laid it all down, became like one of us. He allowed an empire, a kingdom, a country to execute him. I don't think you can be more humiliated, more humbled, more submissive than that. And this is what he reminds us, that we're to to live this way. He voluntarily chose to do this, and it changes everything. There's a freedom in that. That's why I love this kind of phrase. It's this, that the cross life is the life of voluntary submission. The life of voluntary submission as followers of Jesus. It's not that we know that we don't have rights if we choose them, but we voluntarily lay them down for the sake of others, for the sake of the world, for the sake of following after Jesus. This becomes for us such a powerful thing. And when we do that, There's freedom. There's less regret. The truth is, there aren't a lot of conversations as a pastor I've had that I I would go back. I mean, there's lots of phrases I would use differently and messages I would preach another way. But there's only a few conversations I've ever had where I'm like, if I could go back, I would do that totally different. One of those conversations was a conversation with someone who was upset with me in my office. And we talked for a long time. And the truth is, I didn't say anything that was wrong. I didn't even say anything that I should regret saying those words, but I can tell you this, at the end of the day, I may have been right in all that I said, but my heart was dead wrong. In fact, I'd say it this way, 
Um, I should have just shut up. I should have listened. I should have been a better pastor. In fact, I wrote a letter after the fact apologizing because I couldn't go back. I was so worried about my own right, about being right. I couldn't listen to the other person in a way that would allow them to be heard. I didn't agree with them. I still don't. But it doesn't change that I could have approached it with way more grace and way more love. In fact, I wish I had read these words I'm going to share with you before then. And these are the words. Do you know that liberation comes from giving up your rights? It means you're set free from the seething anger and bitterness you feel when someone doesn't act toward you the way you think they should. If I'd embraced those words before that conversation, maybe it turned out differently. Maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe it would have been the same result. But I can't go back to it. See, I started thinking, too, about a time when early in ministry, like I went to college and then I went to graduate school and I knew I wanted to be a pastor. I felt God called me to this. And so I started going to school for it. And I went to school for like seven years. It's a long time. You know, like not as long as some of the doctors, but it's a long time. And so I went to school for seven years. And at the end of that, in the Church of Nazareth, we have this thing called ordination. But I, like many people, we thought, I thought it was a right to get to that. But ordination, they ask you this question in the middle of this process of like ordaining you as an elder in the church. And they ask this question, will you willfully surrender these credentials if we ask you for them? Excuse me? I mean, I, I went to school, I got a degree, I got two degrees, and you're saying, wait a minute, that, that may not be worthy of this, you may ask for them back? Yeah. If we do, will you give them? And I had to answer this question in front of a few hundred people. Will you voluntarily give them back? I said, yes. See, what I began to understand was this, that it's not, it's not about earning anything. It's about learning to lay something down. Ordination was the church's recognition of God's call in my life, not my own recognition. It was submitting to people over me in authority. And what that does for us is it opens up our eyes to begin to see the world in better place. In fact, it brings us to these words that in submission, we are at last free to value other people. Their dreams and plans become important to us. We've entered into a new, wonderful, glorious freedom. The freedom to give up our rights for the good of others. That's what submission is all about. It's this idea that we would give up things, we would set aside things, we would put stuff down. And in that way, by putting stuff down, we'd find that we're truly free. And this invitation is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To practice submission is the call of Jesus. And so in our everyday interactions, whether it be on social media or phone calls, or just with friends, or even in the church, submission looks like this. It looks like saying nothing... Or speaking with an abundance of grace is the way to go. Saying nothing or speaking with an abundance of grace. See, I go back to that conversation, I regret. I should have said nothing. Or I should have said everything I said with an abundance of grace. What about your own life? How many times had we submitted ourselves to someone else in a conversation? If we could go back we could go back and do it again, we'd know that had we said nothing or had we spoke with abundance of grace, that better things would have happened. This is why Jesus says to us these revolutionary words that we don't really like. I don't know that I like them. To save my life, I have to lose it? 
take up my cross daily, to literally choose to submit, to lay down my rights for the sake of others, it's really hard. But here's the thing, in submission and not having to get our own way, what we'll find is we will begin to live in such a way that we really can say, I'm so over it. Who's the boss of me? They're not the boss of me. I'm just choosing to willfully submit to the person in authority over me. That attitude change, that heart change, that changes everything. And all of a sudden, we don't have to have our own way on everything. And I know that's really hard for us, especially in America, especially in the Western world, especially right now when we feel like we have no control. But here's what we do. Remember what submission is abandoning the outcomes to God. So I love these seven practices we find in the Celebration of Discipline book that we've been kind of looking at off and on throughout the series. And Richard Foster in his book, he gives us these words. And so I'm just going to share these seven things with you. One, we submit to the triune God. So let's start with submission to God. Number two, we submit to the scriptures. We trust what they have to say. We lean especially into the words of Jesus as the primary indicator of how we're called to live. Number three, we submit to our family. Right? I, I, this one has been abused so often in marriages because we'll say, well, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. But then it misses verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 5, which says, submit to one another. And in fact, if you're going to go read it, the Ephesians 5 text, talk about your own marriage, then you better know it's talking about the church, not just marriage. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. I don't have time for that now. But I say this, number four, submit to our neighbors and those that we meet daily. What if we just thought when we met people, how can I love them? How can I serve them? How can I put their interests above mine? Number five, submit to the believing community of faith, the body of Christ, the church. What if we submitted to the church? What if we laid down our rights, our desires, our preferences, our opinions for the sake of others? Can you imagine what this community of faith might actually be like if all of a sudden, no, 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 what do you want? How can we do that? If we all live from that place, can you imagine the winsomeness of the, of the church? Can you imagine that it might really be this believing community of faith? Others go, man, I don't know what they have, but I want it. Number six, we submit to the broken and despised. The widows and the orphans. How can we serve? How can we love? How can we be more there for? In fact, I'll say it this way, in the middle of this again, how do we recognize that racism has no place in our world as once again we see issues in our world and our community? And number seven, we submit to the world. How do we recognize that what's happening globally impacts all of us? And how can I serve that, not for my own sake, but for the sake of others? This is what Jesus does. It's why he uses these words Take up your cross daily, not one time, not just when you decide to follow me, but if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, then you have to take up your cross daily. It is a way of living. It is a way of life. It's a decision we have to make every morning. Because if we don't, we're not going to be able to submit to anyone, let alone Jesus. He's our model. He's the one who came and lived and died and said, here's what it looks like to be fully human, even though I'm fully God. It was laying down for the sake of the other. See, Jesus did this a pretty incredible thing. He took the cross, the symbol of despair, the symbol of death, the symbol of slavery, the symbol of oppression, the symbol of torture, 
and he turned it on its head. We see people wearing crosses as jewelry now, and that's because of Jesus. Jesus took the places of death and despair and torture, and he turned them into places of hope. And that's what he invites you and I into, to lay down our life for the sake of the other. Jesus and the cross is the ultimate example of submission to others. And it's the invitation that you and I are called to live with this hope that we know at the end of the day, we can abandon all outcomes to God and it's going to be okay because we know Jesus. And we know that in Jesus, he submitted to the world around him and they crucified him. But we know at the end of the day, that's not the end of the story. And his crucifixion is ultimately his resurrection, which brings us hope. And today is Ascension Sunday, and the resurrection of Jesus is the hope that we have today that that he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he invites us to someday join him as he restores and redeems all of creation. And it happens when we take up our cross daily, we submit to him, and we abandon all outcomes to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together digitally. We long for a day in which it's in person. And so we pray that you would redeem all that is broken in this world, that you would use us. May we submit to you and may we submit to the world around us. We know that this practice is a difficult one. And so we ask that you would help us to embrace it, that we'd be willing to lay down our rights, our opinions, our desire to get our own way for the sake of others. So Father, we do trust Trust our lives and our future to you. Help us to not just say these words out loud, but help us to truly abandon all outcomes of our life to you. We can do this because we trust in your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We hope you'll take advantage of the prompts online. That You'll use them, and if they're valuable for you, you'll find that you you just invest in them in ways. So go to our website at connectionpointmi.com, and we hope you'll continue to connect with us there.